Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can we talk to the animals in our lives? What do they have to say? Most importantly, will the police listen to them? Hello and welcome to the 330th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those pretty odd questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. But before we welcome our guest, it's time, of course, for our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was, in what country would you be most likely to run to the Cherufe? Well, I hope you don't run to the Cherufe because you'd be in serious trouble. But Amy Boyle from Boston was the first to answer that one correctly, and the answer was Chile. If you've ever seen one of those B-movies with painted and befeathered tribesmen carrying hapless tourists up the side of a volcano to be tossed in, that would involve the Trufe or a Trufe-like creature, probably. Uh, these are supposedly evil humanoid creatures made of rock and magma that live deep inside volcanoes and can only be appeased with human sacrifices. I wonder how stuff like this starts. There are legends like this start. But anyway, that's something for a different show. So this week's question is a little more cheerful than people being thrown into volcanoes. Uh, what race of beings are sometimes known as the lordly ones? And get that right and win a copy of Hear All Creatures, The Journey of an Animal Communicator by tonight's guest. Well, certainly the phone numbers this evening, and we do invite callers uh, locally or from Canada, 401-766-1240, or really from anywhere if you want to pay the toll charges, or from anywhere in the USA, toll-free, 800-449-1240. Or after the show, if you wish to answer the question, certainly you can call, or after the show, you can write paul at behindtheparanormal.com or ben at behindtheparanormal.com to submit an answer to the question about the lordly ones. Now to our guest, Karen Anderson, a very dear friend of ours, is an internationally known animal communicator and author of Hear All Creatures, The Journey of an Animal Communicator. Uh, our, she's a former police officer, actually, and Karen has had the ability to communicate with animals for as long as she can remember. Her abilities uh, faded as she uh, left childhood, however, uh, however, reemerged in the few, first few years of the century. I make her sound like 200 years old. Who wrote this? But anyway, uh, that's, of course, the century being this century and uh, Karen, of course, um, being a young adult and uh, having regained her abilities to uh, really to talk with animals. Uh, since then, Karen has helped hundreds of people and animals and discovered the wisdom our animal friends have to offer. She lives in eastern Washington State, has been on the show a number of times. So check behind the paranormal uh, website for our past guests, uh, 2009, 2010, and you'll find Karen there, and you might like to listen to those podcasts as well. Her website, KarenAnderson.net. Uh, Karen Anderson, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Well, hi, you guys. And no, I'm not centuries old. I feel like <laughs> I I'm am. What? <laughs> oh, well, really? moving on from someone who is not centuries old. Uh, Karen, you haven't been on the show in quite some time, so let's cover a few of the basics uh, before we begin and get into some new stuff. Uh, how do you actually communicate with animals? Uh, what is the experience like? Well, it's very much like having a conversation with a human, except that I have to listen, I'm going to say, with a higher tuned ear, and the animals talk to me like a thought that will pop into my mind. So I have to kind of switch around my focus from listening with my ears to listening with my heart. Hmm. Well, in your book, it becomes uh, really clear how different animals can be from each other. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, they're very different. Uh, It's very similar to taking a room with, say, a random hundred different people from all different walks of life in that room. You're going to have the same differences in animals from session to session. No two are ever the same. They each have their own distinct personality. Some have a sense of humor, some don't. Some are outgoing, some are shy, some are in good health, some are not. So it's very similar to just a random sampling of of people. Okay, so can you give some recent examples of people and animals you've worked with? 
Well, yes, I can give you recent as of, um, let's see, just a few minutes ago. I just finished up with a client, and we were connecting with her uh, deceased dog, and this dog was telling me how uh, he was with all of their family members in the spirit world or in heaven or whatever you want to call it, and he started to describe them to me, and it turned out that he was asking me if I could mention the name like David, and David turned out to be um, her deceased father-in-law, and the, the dog went on to describe to me what he looked like, and he also brought through a, another female energy that he was with, and this wasn't a blood relative, just a family friend. He used to ride horses and spend a lot of her time on the ranch. And it's just, you never know who they're going to be with or who they're going to be spending time with. But that's a, a very recent example. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, we'll get, we'll get into how that works, too. But um, you know you know our routine here on the show. Uh, Karen, what's your response to those who might say that you're really just... Anybody, anybody who's a psychic or, or, or a medium can be asked this question. Um, those who might say that you're just really communicating with part of yourself or worse, that you're in touch with negative entities who are pretending to be animals? Uh, well, um, truly, the most evil creatures on this planet have been the human animal. Um, the animals are truly of all about love and light and happiness and sharing, and they're very honest and you know, it's, it's working in the light, which is what I do. I only work with energies that are in the light. And as far as someone pretending to be uh, an animal energy or coming through as possibly another kind of dark energy, I don't work with any other energies other than those in the light. So uh, it's really not something I have to worry about. And um, just in my work, I've learned to only raise my vibration to the highest level during session and that way only the highest vibrational energies come through okay well now the word vibration come but i i'm 42 years and i still don't understand what the word vibration means but but i'd like to share something very interesting with you that we i just found out as a matter of fact um it was, uh, and I wish we'd found this guy before George Nury did. George is our good friend, but uh, he sometimes <laughs> finds guests before we do. This particular fellow, I think he was on last night or the night before. I don't know if you heard it on Coast to Coast, because uh, it's earlier in your neck of the woods than it is here in the East Coast. But there was a fellow who was uh, a, an official of the National Park Service who was talking, a former official of the National Park Service, the American National Park Service, talking about how a number of people have been vanishing lately in the national parks in the United States. Uh, and this has been going on for apparently the last few years. And he was saying that uh, a, not a, a lot of it isn't very cheerful. I mean, people, are, their bodies appearing, you know, many miles from where you know, there's really no way they could have uh, made the, the, the journey. Uh, weather was bad. There were mountain ranges in the way and all this sort of thing. But on the other hand, he said sometimes uh, children are found uh, having survived these experiences and they will describe being taken care of by wolf-like creatures or bears who, like, kept them warm all night and protected them. Um, you ever run into anything like that? Missing people? No, before but you... it, it's I, that's very kinda, fascinating. I think it's kind of cool <laughs> myself. You know, uh, I saw something, Paul, the other night on the Nevada Triangle, because they were talking about the Bermuda Triangle, and then they started going into the Nevada Triangle. The Triangle's all over the planet. So I don't know if, if I was on the same wavelength or vibration, um, so to speak, as, as that question, but that is definitely um, very interesting, and I wouldn't put it past, um, there's no rule books, you know, in this work that I do. There's there's no black and white, it has to be this way or that way. Yeah. It's a lot of gray area. Um, until it's proven to me otherwise i would say hey check it out anything's possible yeah 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 one does hear these things and uh, very often they're, they're uh, well confirmed because there are other aspects of that that might indicate uh some of the, the characteristics people would point to uh, toward alien abductions and all this business uh, you know we kind of reserve judgment on that but um anyway i thought i'd share that with you because it's uh, it says something about the animals who do it if, if indeed that that's how it how it does occur uh, which brings me to a question I have always been fascinated with uh, when it comes to your work, and that's 
the, the differences, uh, if any, between your communication with domestic animals and wild animals, and we, we've talked about that previously, but it's been a long time. Um, what, 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 what's the story with that? Well, it truly is uh, very different because the domesticated animals and those that we spend our day-to-day life with, they're very much into their humans and what's going on in your life and what's going on around them what they see, what they feel, what they hear, everything from what you had for lunch the day before to maybe an upcoming trip or a moving or a new job or anything like that. They'll show me what's going on, just little snippets of day-to-day life. And uh, when I connect with a a wild animal, it's very much all about self-preservation. It's about... um, Staying safe, food, shelter, protection, you know, that sort of self-preservation mode and always either watching out over their shoulder or being careful about what they're doing. It's, it's a very different perspective and, and it's, I think uh, it shows how we truly do spoil our animals. I know I do, or I try to anyway, as compared to the wild animals who have to fend for themselves and they don't have anybody to rely on. Yeah, it's almost like human cultures. Uh, you know, if you mm-hmm. talk with people who are, if you talk with a, with a Khoisan bushman in Africa, for example, they they live in a relatively gentle environment compared with the Arctic or something. But they're still, you know, their their concern seems to be uh, taking care of their families and uh, where the next meal is coming from, that sort of thing. Exactly, and you can say that can be true for a pod of whales, and um, you know they don't have too many natural predators. Certainly, man is. A predator to uh, today's whales, but they are still all about family. They're all about protection and protecting each other, and they do show emotions. They show anger. They show happiness. It's some of the same feelings that you and I have that are very human-like, I'll say. They experience those just like we do. Um, However, I would never try to humanize an animal because they truly are, in my opinion, uh, they are so pure and, and so honest. It's the human animal that has a tendency to lie and cheat and betray and cover up and all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, if there are any human animals out there who'd like to ask any questions of Karen, uh, 766-1240 locally uh, in the 401 area code uh, or in anywhere in the USA, 800-449-1240. Karen is a person I have known for many years and a person of great, great compassion, one who um, certainly is, I think, one of the best examples of the human species, of whom I know. Uh, and certainly I think that um, learning from the animals helps you become a higher being. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. It's something that is a, a, a marathon, not a sprint. I have come from a background of law enforcement, as you said um, in your introduction, and it's very hard to undo years and years of the way that we're used to being, but yes, I have learned quite a bit from the animals that they've taught me to be kind in the moment, understanding, helpful, kind of all the things that um, we admire in some some people, I guess, but it truly is all about Paul being and then being in the moment and enjoying the time here that we are physically here because it is really not the number of years but the, the quality of the time that we're here that the animals say is important. They mm. don't necessarily view a long life as a successful life. They, they view the quality of that time during that lifetime. Well put. Hmm, very well put. Well, it brings this this conversation actually leads me to this uh, philosophy paper I wrote, and I know in my philosophy class, like we gave like examples of like um, how, how to put it, like the like the Greek gods now the anthropomorphized, and I'll, I'll get I'll get to why this is important, but how how um, I wrote a paper saying like well. Because it was just like sort of a reflection on anything, so I picked art and music and how that reflects the the human state, emotions, and emotional state of humans. Even though I said that already, but I I wrote that um, humans we try to 
take ourselves away from the animals when, in fact, we are an animal ourselves, which is kind of a paradox if you think about it. So you saying that, or are you trying to say not to humanize the animals, would that mean, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Like, Do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Animalize the human, that, that, that doesn't sound. <laughs> yeah, because well, Mark we're, Twain said don't call other people animals because you're insulting the animals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. true. Well, yeah, yeah because but we to, exactly. to, to discover the, our common being, perhaps with them. Yeah, yeah, that we really aren't that a different. Common spirit. Yeah. I mean, sure, we're capable of building weapons and things, but still, they're not that different from there us. Was a, not to not let Karen answer here, but just a, a brief observation on that theme. I was uh, young and and uh, working uh, as I was I was a kid working for the town of East Hartford, Connecticut, in this swamp. It was, uh, what I did, you'd never believe it. Uh, it was uh, one of these uh, town grants trying to build a park. Anyway, there was this crotchety old fellow who'd bring me out to the swamp every day in this little jeep. And he stopped one day because a little squirrel was trying to cross the street. And, and the, this this guy who doesn't look like he'd you know, care if somebody's head was rolling around in the street said, Come on, little brother, let's go. And I said, oh, he, you know, he uh, <laughs> later got to know him a little bit. And he thought of the animals as... As brother, he was a wonderful, wonderful guy. Just you know, the book was not like the cover. So um, I just thought I'd make an observation that even uh, those who seem to be most crusty are sometimes touched by our relations with the animals. Uh, absolutely, and I think that's why therapy animals do so well, especially in the hospitals and the nursing homes, assisted living homes, or even those for uh, children with terminal illnesses or who have suffered perhaps an amputation or some other uh, defect of um, the other kids give them such a bad time, but then you take an animal in there that's had a similar surgery, and, you know, the animal could care less. They're just happy to be um, loved and cared for, and they don't see themselves as disabled. They don't see themselves as as anything but whole. Mm -hmm. So I think in many ways, um, if if the humans can become more animal-like in the kindest way, that is a good thing. Absolutely. I know exactly what you mean. Well, I remember my mother, uh, Ben's grandmother, was in the nursing home until she, you know, uh, as we say, translated about a year ago. And uh, there was a therapy dog who would come in and just really, uh, they, uh, people just lit up, you know. Mm-hmm. I know some places have cats, dogs, whatever. Uh, <laughs> one place had a therapy a guinea pig or something, you know, that... But uh, they, they all, all the animals lifted the spirits of the people. Which brings me to a question I have never asked you before that I can remember. What about the um, uh, cat in the nursing home? I can't quite remember where it was, somewhere in the Midwest, uh, halfway between where you are and we are. And the cat would get up on the bed and, and, and be with a person just before the, they, they died. Yeah. Uh, I, you're I familiar with that. So what, what, what's... Uh, yeah. What's with that? What's your interpretation of how that works? Well, this is my interpretation, and it's purely based on my experiences, and certainly I'm not, um, you know, an an expert in the field, but I have talked to a lot of animals, and what I have come to understand is that they know a lot more about us than we realize, and they are tuned in on a different level, and they're very sensitive to changes and shifts in our bodies, our system, our energy. Um, just for instance, if you have a client that contacts me because they're having behavior problems at home with their dogs or their cats or whatever, I can almost always trace it back to the humans in the household. Hmm. So very similar with this kitty at the assisted living facility, the, the very subtle changes that take place within the human energy and energies all around us, our aura, they're very sensitive to that, and this particular cat was really good at sensing that. And it's almost like a, a beacon or a light goes off when it's somebody's time to make their transition out of their physical body. And the animals are very, very good at picking up on those subtle changes, just like drug-sniffing dogs, cancer-sniffing dogs. Um, they, they are so tuned in on so many higher levels than we will ever realize. Okay. And I know that it was... Um, um, the kitty would go in, and within 24 hours, that person would transition and leave their physical body. So, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, this kitty was very tuned in and could pick up on those 
subtle changes. Okay. Uh, Karen, we have a caller, and uh, we got the caller there, Ben? Yes, sir. Yeah. Hello? Okay, hi. Welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Yeah, not, nothing much. You know, you were talking about that cat you say that predicted when people die? Yes. Okay, that was in Providence, you know, there was one. Now, I don't know if you're talking about a different one. Oh, no, I just uh, I didn't quite recall where it was, right in Providence. You're right, right, right you can look area, that yeah. up. I forget. I think it was Providence. Somewhere we're down. I think it was Providence. But Sure. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Do you have a uh, question for Karen? Or? No, not really. I just okay. wanted to. And, uh, you know, the nice thing about animals is you can be stolen one day and they're friends with you a minute later. They don't hold grudges, no, do they? No, they don't. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Well, very good observation. Thank you for pointing that out, sir. Actually, it's the first time I listened to you because it was about animals, but, uh, you know. Well, I hope you'll listen again. Oh, well, yeah, you know, I figured something I'd like, yeah. Some okay. of the stuff I don't really believe in, but... Yeah, well, we cover the whole gamut of... Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. If, if, if I hear something at the beginning of the show that's interesting, I'll listen. If not, yeah, you know. Okay, well, why not? And tonight, animals I like, so... Great. Okay. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank okay, you. Okay, bye-bye. Well, there you go, Karen, the nice, honest caller. <laughs> uh, we, Karen, we, uh, love our, we love our animals, don't we? We do, we do. Do you ever work with veterinarians? I do. I have several veterinarians that I work with, and uh, one is an acupuncturist, an animal acupuncturist. The other is a holistic vet. And I have a few regular DVMs, um, doctors of veterinary medicine, that I work with, and it's becoming more and more popular for them to be open to uh, the messages that I obtain during a session, and especially where an animal is either feeling pain, feeling discomfort, and this leads me to a recent session I had with a bulldog by the name of Annabelle. She was only about three years old, but she was getting very, very sick, and the vets could not determine what was wrong, so they scheduled a session with me, and she was able to show me some scar tissue-like stuff going on in her abdominal um, cavity. And they did an ultrasound, and it turned out that Annabelle had eaten a zipper out of someone's sweatshirt, and it had embedded itself in her abdominal wall, and oh, the dear. body created like a cocoon of scar tissue over it, but it was slowly causing her body to go septic. And they, they hadn't been able to feel it or see it before until I pinpointed where this problem was. So the vets are becoming more and more open to listening, which I think is great, even in the 10 years that I've been practicing you know, that's a huge shift from where things started. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, more open-minded people out there who were previously sort of stodgy types who only accepted the so-called scientific approach to these things. Right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'm skeptical, too. I, I was oh, so know, are we, sure. For for Pete's sake. Have to be. You know, and as a cop, if you don't have evidence and facts, you don't have a case. Sure. So I, I understand the skeptical mind, and I think being skeptical is, is healthy. You should run things through and see what feels right and definitely, you know, scrutinize things. And, and so sometimes until you experience it for yourself, you really just can't know for sure or have to be on the fence about it until you've had that experience yourself. That's true. Well, on that note, I'm glad you introduced the notion of law enforcement because we're going to get into that after our break. But before that, we're going to take a bit of a break, and we'll be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Greg Bell, the host of Wind Radio Was. Hi, my name is Bill. Is that you under that blindfold? Bill, with this thing on, I can't see who I am. No, I imagine not. Can't you see anything at all under that blindfold? On a clear day, I can see the blindfold. You can. Wind Radio Was, shows from the past for today's imaginations. Wind Radio Was airs Monday through Friday right here on ON 1240 Radio at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Okay, we just wanted to mention uh, Kindle Fire. Yeah, there are a million ideas, a million things you can do with the thing. And, of course, it is an e-reader. It's uh, an object upon which you can download games and movies and all sorts of shows. And you can just do just about anything with it. It's full color. It's one ninety nine. Staples and also from Amazon.com. You can do all kinds of things with it. There are the cheaper Kindles as well. If you just want to read books, uh, $79. Uh, and I've heard even cheaper too. But again, Amazon Kindle Fire and Amazon Kindle, they make terrific gifts. I know Mother's Day is coming up. 
And uh, I know that uh, my mother, Ben's grandma, had a little trouble using microwaves and stuff, and I never did get her into e-readers. But a lot of the, uh, the older people today are getting into these things, gaming and electronic stuff. So it can be a great uh, gift for older people as well. And then, of course, especially if they're homebound, they don't have to go out and buy books or uh, go to the expense of shipping and this sort of thing. So the Kindle Fire e-reader is a great way to uh, download books, newspapers, and many other things. Of course, you can get four of my books. And I believe, uh, Karen, you, I'm sure you can get uh, uh, Hero All Creatures on the Amazon Kindle as well. Oh, I haven't done that yet, Paul. Okay, well, <laughs> well, I'll harass you until you do. We always try to bring the guests into the commercial here because <laughs> most of them have books that are available on Kindle. But we'll, we'll help you get that, that going there. Okay. But certainly uh, my books, uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, Rhode Island, A Genial History, used in a couple of our school districts. So if you have a student... Uh, who's in history, uh, state, studying state history, they might find that useful. And, of course, turning home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. Kindle Fire, everybody, from Amazon.com. Check it out. Okay, we're back now behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM. And our guest, of course, Karen Anderson, well-known interna- internationally you know, animal communicator, author, and very dear friend of ours. And uh, you had introduced the notion, uh, Karen, uh, you are a former police officer yourself, of of the whole idea of, of animals and the police. Okay, now I'm not talking about dog catchers here, but you uh, had mentioned on our the last time you were on that you were beginning to work with the police, or at least examining the possibility of animals as crime witnesses. Has that gone anywhere? Yeah, I've been working on quite a few cases, and uh, and some of them include missing children. So they're very. Um, near and dear to my heart and something that I will continue to, to work on in my spare time, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's coming to the point where even in law enforcement, there is a new uh, awakening to any information is better than no information, and they're at least open to hearing from me or from the animals, so to speak. But um, especially when it comes to missing children, but I have found that the animals can be really good, reliable witnesses. It's just uh, getting them up on the stand. That's the tough part. Yeah, I can imagine that'll be a kind of a, a step for the court. Uh, let me give our, our call-in numbers again because this is a particularly call-in worthy topic. Certainly, four zero one seven six six one two four zero in the local listening area, and. anywhere in the USA. Uh, Speaking with Karen Anderson here. Now, Karen, uh, where can can you give us examples of any cases that that you have worked on? I know you can't give uh, specifics, but uh, I certainly can. Okay, so please uh, please go ahead. I have been working on a case. It's in the Kentucky area, and there was a uh, a stable of thoroughbred racehorses. And somebody went in during the wee hours of the morning and attacked, killed um, almost every horse in the in the barn. And if that mare had a foal, they attacked and killed oh. the foal as well. Uh, the the horses that were still alive, they didn't live very long. But I was able to connect with them and. Among many things, they gave me not only descriptions of who had done this, um, but they even told me the brand of cigarettes that they smoked and other very, very accurate details of what happened and what was used. It was um, a very sad and unfortunate, uh, very traumatic event especially for the owner of the barn, but um, at least we were able to get get the local law enforcement on the suspects. So one, one would think that you would be able to get some evidence, maybe the police could follow it up, and may, maybe uh, n- nail the suspect without necessarily having an animal right. directly test or whatever you directly testifies right. it were. So that sounds much more doable legally. Than having to put you know put an animal on the stand, obviously, right? Yeah. And if in this case, there was no surveillance camera. There was nothing that they had to go back on. Only hunches and 
suspicion, all of which uh, were uh, brought to the surface during the sessions that I had, and the details and the names and who was involved all came to light. Okay. That, that sounds really encouraging. Uh, have you had any luck with locating any missing people in, in using the same methods? I, I have had a couple of cases where there have been positive results, and most of them were, believe it or not, family was involved with. Oh, yeah, you hear that, yeah, yeah. So, yes, I have worked on a, a couple of cases with missing children, and I've also been working on a murder case that has, I don't know, it's probably about, it's a cold case, seven years or so, uh, a very old murder case, and there was a murder, and there were two cats that witnessed the murder, and the cats were able to provide descriptions of the assailants, the, the manner of death, and also gave me the names of the primary suspects. Okay. When children, or just I suppose just about anyone, witnesses a heinous crime of this kind, it, it affects them. How does it affect the animals? They can be very traumatized, as you can imagine. In, yeah. in the case with the horses, the, the surviving ones, the horses were so just stressed and traumatized by the whole thing, their injuries were sometimes secondary to just the emotional stress that they experienced because they couldn't get away. They were trying everything they could to get away from the assailants, and they could not. Yeah. So it can have a very devastating effect. I mean, they feel pain just like you and I do. Mm-hmm. There are those who believe, well, speaking of horses, there are those, I don't know, and uh, you know, Ben's older brother has a little more experience with horses than he does, but I, yeah. I, I've owned horses and stuff growing up and all. And there are those who believe, and I've also worked with cows, who um, I worked one summer on a dairy farm, and if, uh, <laughs> you know they didn't impress me with their vast intelligence, but they're very endearing and sweet creatures too. Um, there are those who might say that horses are, or, or cows particularly, are not all that swift. Uh, the, the example that's often given is that if a barn is on fire, they will just sort of stand there rather than try and escape. Uh, what is your take on, on, on their intelligence and, and their survival instinct when it comes to that particular criticism? Well, I have uh, more experience with, I would say, what some people consider is not the smartest of animals out there. And in, let's just take cattle or cows for that perfect example, in any group of cows, cattle, you're going to have the smart ones and you're going to have the not-so-tuned-in ones. Yeah. And you're going to have everything in between, and most of them will fall into the middle. Uh, but there, again, we are uh, comparing them to other species. We're comparing them to what a human would do, and sometimes it gets so overwhelming for the animal that they are confused, and yeah. that will sometimes lead them in down the wrong path. You know, people but can I, react in the same way. Mm-hmm, yeah, we have, a, uh, we have another caller, Karen, there. Well, yeah, push the right button. Here. Hello, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Yeah, how you doing? Hey, now I have a question for her. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, now she says animals can describe the person and what happened and all that. Now, see, I can't believe that. I, I mean, I want to know, I'm going to hang up, but I want her to just tell me how that could happen because she said that happens, but she didn't say how it happened. Okay. I mean, to me... That's going over the edge uh, or the deep end or something because I just can't understand that. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe she can explain. Very good. Okay, thank you. Okay, Karen? Yeah. Okay, did you hear the question? I sure did. Okay, what's your response? My response is there is a level of communicating that goes beyond the spoken word. It is something like learning a new language. If you go to a foreign country, there's a feeling that you get when you communicate with certain animals. They'll send you images and pictures. They'll send you feelings. They'll send you words. Okay, Carrie, okay, could you speak up just a little bit, please? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Go ahead. How's that? How's that, Ben? Much better. Thank you. Uh, Ben's okay. right on the board today, so he knows. Okay, go ahead. Uh, communication with an animal is either visual, verbal, or through feelings, or all of the above. 
And those images and those messages come through just as clearly as if you were to write a message in an email to someone and send it off. It's an energetic message, and it comes through, and it can be received and translated and delivered. Okay. Perhaps uh, the caller might be interested in examples of evidence of this that have been obtained from animals that has turned out to be true according to police techniques? Well, I would recommend going to my Facebook page because I post on there actual examples from sessions that I have just completed. There, uh, A recent one on there I just did was a client contacted me when it was um, after she had to help her dog transition. And during the session... I kept seeing what I thought was a, a white goose or a white duck or some kind of white bird. I had no idea what that was. After the session, she later told me that she had this uh, goodbye ceremony for her dog next to a beautiful lake. And during the middle of the procedure of saying goodbye to her dog with the vet, a lone white swan came out of nowhere and stayed next to them on the water. Hmm. Okay. So the yeah. proof is the proof and the evidence is in the message and the clients are the ones who back it up. Okay. All right, we hear you. And we have another caller at this point. Uh, hello, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Good evening everyone. How are you tonight? Good evening. Do you have a question for Karen? Well, yeah, I just actually wanted to uh talk about my experience with my cat Taz. Okay. My name's Scott and Taz is gone now, but I don't like to tell a lot of people this because unless you know me personally or knew Taz, you know, I'm hesitant to talk about this, but Taz and I really could sit down and communicate mentally. And it's not a thing where it's very difficult to explain. Uh, we would sit and look at each other, and it's more of a stream of consciousness almost where you know, he would beam his thoughts to me, I would beam my thoughts back to him. It wasn't like... Well, Taz, well, how do you think the Patriots are going to do today? Well, I'll tell you, Scott, maybe if they have a good run defense, it's nothing like that. It's it's more of a... I, I, Karen, do you understand what I'm saying? I so understand what you're saying. And thank you for calling in. It's very difficult to describe. And, and here's an example. If you have ever had a, a human friend and you haven't thought about them in years, and all of a sudden they pop into your head, and then the very next day you get a phone call from them, that's being on the same vibrational wavelength or whatever. That's connecting energetically. And the same can be said for uh, if you have children, if you've raised children, if you've ever had that gut feeling that something was wrong or somebody was doing something that was wrong, it turns out that they were, that is also tuning in energetically. It's just a matter of, realizing there's more out there than the spoken or written word, being open to it, and yes, you do receive messages in many different ways, and it is on a much higher level, although I have had some animals show me that they support their um, the sports teams that the family supports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are seasons when the Red Sox could use uh, more support. Uh, yeah. it, when I got Taz, well, when I got Taz, he was probably, oh, 10, 12 weeks old, so he was small. But I realized how so intelligent he was. He, I've had a cat my entire life since I was very, very young. And I have a philosophy. I believe that most people, regardless of how kind they are to the animal, they never yell or hit, it though, hit the animal, but they always want that animal to understand, I am in charge, you are subservient to me. And I realized I didn't want Taz growing up feeling that way. And I remember, oh, he was probably about six or eight months old when he really could could really communicate and I explained to him you are no one's pet or property I am not your master you are not my pet we live in this home together and I, I think that really kind of opened our minds up together because he understood oh okay you get it you understand me yeah now that's the way we look Absolutely. at our cats uh, they're, they're friends who live with us you know family members uh, yep I have a hard time calling us their owners I think if anybody owns anyone they own us <laughs> Yeah, in more ways than one, but uh, they they truly are um, 
intelligent, sentient beings with capable of feelings and emotions and thoughts and thought processes. They may not deliver it the same way a human does, but they're not human. And I've also learned over the years that, you know, to defend what I do means that I need to defend it, and I really don't. I'm here for those that are open to the process, that want to be closer to their animals or their deceased, deceased human loved ones on a higher level, and I certainly understand the skepticism and to the last caller, unless you have experienced it, um, like you said with Taz, you just... It's really hard to describe and put it into words, but it, it is because it's it's clear. Like just a quick example, one afternoon he was sitting by his food bowl, and I was over by the refrigerator, and he just was staring at me. And I looked at him, and we we locked gaze, and he just said, "You know, I'm really tired of this food." And I said, "Oh, okay." And I got him different food. It was just it was a clear message in my mind. It wasn't like, no. "Oh, maybe he's me, not eating." It was it was a clear, you know. Right, let me ask you something. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but did you get that in verbally, or did you get it in an image or a feeling? Tell me how you received that message. It it was a voice in my mind. That's how we used to talk. He didn't meow or anything like that. We just, we would lock gaze, and our minds would just open up to each other. That's awesome, and that's called being clairaudient, and I am mainly clairaudient. So for those who are listening, you can Google that. Clear audience is the ability to hear things that you wouldn't be able to hear with just normal human hearing. And it's, it's like hearing a thought in your head, but it's not your thought. And I totally understand that because that's what I, that's one of the. Yeah, no, no, that I that's do. absolutely true, Kara, because most of the time when we <laughs> communicate, you know, we, I try to learn his meows because, as you well know, cats have such an extensive vocabulary. They do, they do. But, but normally, the, the most of the time when we got our, our best conversations together, it was when we were just staring into excuse me, staring into each other's eyes. Our minds were open, and then the, it was just like you opened up a faucet, and the and the thoughts were just flowing back and forth, back and you know he would beam his thoughts to me, I would beam my thoughts back to him. And like I said, I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about it, but since you're on, I really just wanted to call and support you and and say, yeah, I've been there. I understand exactly what you're talking about. All right, Scott, before you. Uh, before you go, can I just interject something that, that's of interest to us and Karen, too, I'm sure. Uh, the, the difference between animals who are with us and animals who, who like yours, have, have, have passed. I mean, there's no, we don't believe in death around here. It's just a ridiculous concept. Uh, but we have no word, really, in English to describe. We use the word translate. But the point being that has, how has your relationship with, with, with the cat changed since he passed or translated or what's your attitude toward that well no that's a fair question and i will tell you first off i had him cremated and i have his urn in my living room because i always want to have him with me the rest of my life no Mm -hmm. matter where i am okay and i will just tell you this yes there are times when i have my bedroom door shut and i hear a scratch at the door and i open the door and it 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 was cast just saying hi yeah Okay. Yeah, because that, that, that's it exactly. Well, thank you, Scott. Great caller. And um, yeah, thanks, Scott. Thank awesome. you. All right, Karen. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. And again, uh, you want to learn more about Karen? KarenAnderson.net, uh, not dot com. That's a different Karen, but yeah, KarenAnderson.net. Okay. Yeah, Karen. Uh, do you want to um, speak a little further on that? I mean, we 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 feel that our our we have a whole line of cats who have. As a matter of fact, I, I can tell you the lineage of our cats back to eighteen seventy five. In okay, our well, that's family. That's a little bit odd, Paul. It is a little. Well, you know, we're not the, the your usual run-of-the-mill father and son here, but we, uh, through through family tradition and people writing in photographs, we have the whole lineage of the family cats back to that. Well, that's pretty cool, actually. I I'm suppose very it impressed. is. Yeah. But but the point being that we feel they're they're really all we're with them and and you know our attitude toward parallel worlds and alternate realities where they never died and all that business and uh, you but you deal with with. Uh, animals who have passed on or whatever you want to call it uh, frequently, don't you? Uh, yeah, I call it transition because yeah. you're really just transitioning from one state of being to another. It's a good word. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like uh, trading in your car. You know, you don't really care what happens to the old car. You're in the new one. You're getting where you need to go, and the old one is doing whatever it wants to do. So <laughs> I'm going to ask very you. Much, uh, okay. 
You know, I'm going to ask you what uh, I always ask regression therapists, people who will hypnotize people and bring them back to the so-called past lives and all this business. Do you ever have an animal who describes a world that you don't recognize, one who has transitions, you know, a world that just doesn't seem familiar to you? No. In fact, the in my experience, when I connect with a deceased animal, um, they are in the most beautiful, loving, kind, comfortable, peaceful, joyous, loving place that you would ever imagine. And if you have ever been there before through a conversation with an animal, a communication with a deceased animal, you know what I'm talking about. There's few words in the English language that can describe the feeling and the place that they are in. And they they are just simply in a loving uh, supportive environment, and it's it's beautiful. Is and it like a, I have never. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to ask: Is it like a state of mind or a state of being, or could you try to describe it? Or <laughs> like, it, well, it's, you guys, are, you guys are really challenging me today. Yeah, let me. That's let me what explain we do. It to you. I know. Well, let me explain to you how it feels to me. Um, I was just beginning a session the other day, and I have my two dogs with me, and. Um, the co- my client called in, and there was the uh, the doorbell rang. So my dogs ran down the stairs, barking and going crazy. And I told my client, I asked him to please hold on. I went down, checked the front door. There's nobody there. And the dogs quieted down immediately. Usually they go on and on and on. So then I came back up to my office, got back on the phone with my client, and we started our session. And it was with one of her animals. And lo and behold her deceased father came through and he was boasting about how he made a grand entrance by ringing the doorbell. (laughs) Okay. And this is like, um, he's here with me in my office, but then he was there with his daughter wherever she was calling from. So it's the ability to be in multiple places at the same time because energy or an energetic being isn't confused by a physical body like you and I are. We can only be in one place at one time unless we have an out-of-body experience. And I don't know if I quite agree could, with that, but go ahead. Well, he could be in several different places at one time, and it was a parallel existence. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's tell, what we would call it, yeah. Yeah, they tell okay. me that they are more alive in um the afterlife than they are when they are living here physically on this earth. So according to the, so as, as the, the movie title says, all dogs go to heaven. Yeah, you're familiar with the movie. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, you and your brother grew up with that movie. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And then there's a sequel or two, I think. Yeah, there's like four movies. Yeah, so in a sense, like that, that's correct. Time, it'll never end. And I hate to bring it up, but what about animals who are abused and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I hate to even bring it up, you can picture them in your mind and it just breaks your heart uh, in shelters and, um, I mean, what, what do you communicate with any animals in that situation and what's their attitude? I do, and it's heartbreaking, as you said, and you have to kind of put your game face on, so to speak, because the amount of of trauma that they've suffered and stress is very overwhelming. It's a lot like going walking into a, a, one of those electronic stores for me. I just can't do that with all the televisions on the wall oh, yeah. and all the. I, it's just overwhelming. Um, but truly, Paul and Ben, what I have learned from those animals, the ones that don't have a family, the ones who have been through the worst of times, they are also some of the most forgiving, loving, and kind beings that I have ever come across. And I have a lot to learn from them. Yeah, as do we all, certainly. I, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, I suppose we all do. We all do. Well, we can't end the show without um, having you maybe... Mentioned something about our cat, uh, who was um, rather. Uh, I remember the last time you were on, you mentioned that the, 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 we have two cats. If, if any of you are parents and happen to remember the the old cartoon Pinky and the Brain, that's our cat and the cat next door. The our cat being the one with the brain. You know, the the, the, the about two mice who were one was was kind of a, a dope, but the other was trying to take over the world, and they were kind of working together. Well, that's that's these two cats. And uh, Karen, last time you were on, you uh, you sort of. Uh, 
connected with them and told us how they were feeling. And ours was, of course, referred to by uh, the other cat as, as uh, I believe it was Glamour Puss. Yes. Because he has a very good attitude toward himself. And our niece, uh, the veterinarian, uh, Ben's cousin, uh, suggests that he runs the house. So uh, any uh, any information from Rusty at this point? Not to put you on the spot, Rusty. Uh, or uh, oh, okay. I, I remember that now yeah. that you mention it, but that's pretty funny. Um, Rusty is all about Rusty, as um, as you have said, and and he is. I'm going to say quite proud of his accomplishments. <laughs> he feels that yes, he's a major figure in the community here. Yes, yes, he feels. In fact, that he probably should be running the city, which is about to go bankrupt. <laughs> so. he could probably do a pretty good job. Mm. Uh, he he compares himself. To, um, no offense, other cats, not the humans in his life, because he does feel that he is um, several notches higher in intelligence. <laughs> That's him. In all of the above. And um, he, he says something like, um, um, one of my shows growing up, he, he tells me that the, the kitty that you were referring to has kind of the Gomer Pyle type of... Uh, yeah, uh, that's Fosward, yeah. Okay. So I need to talk about the Gomer Pyle um, kind of, and I grew up with that show. I loved that show. It was, mm-hmm. was great. But yeah, he, he talks about that. And he says that he's still going strong and um, looks like he is uh, running for president in the next election. Uh, yes, or at least Woonsocket School Committee, anyway. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that too, definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, well, we're kind of running out of time here, Karen. Well, thank you, Karen. We love you. You're always a great guest. And I will be on... I love you guys, too. And Aww, I will be uh, on you. at least the email tomorrow telling you how to get on Amazon Kindle, because we're going to get that, that, that book deserves to be there. Yes, it does. Thank you, Very good. Paul and Ben. You guys are awesome. Thank you to the listeners. Okay, oh. yep, truly, everybody loves you. You guys are great. Okay, Karen, we'll be in touch tomorrow. Okay. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Karen Anderson, everybody. KarenAnderson.net, animal communicator and renaissance lady. And now on to the boring stuff. Okay, well. uh, Announcements and things. So if you live in uh, northern New England, uh, northeastern New York, or southern Quebec, my dad and I will be appearing at the Kellogg Hubbard Library in Montpelier, Vermont, on Saturday, May 5th, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And this will be the first in a number of presentations and town hall style meetings by us in areas where we have reason to believe that unusual and um, strange, I suppose, amounts of paranormal activity are taking place. That's another story, but we'll be getting to that. Uh, watch BehindTheParanormal.com and the Good Spirits newsletter for more information. Uh, right now, if you happen to be in uh, Suffolk, England, look for us on September 22nd. All right, so don't forget our nearly 400 free podcasts of all our shows. Okay, they're available at BehindTheParanormal.com. Many thanks to our producer, Ben himself, who's been uh, coming an expert here on the board at WON. Yeah. And we'll see you next Monday, April 2nd, right here on 1240 AM and com, when Ben and I will host an open-line show on all things paranormal. And on our regular CBS edition on Sunday, April 1st, in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle, my dad and I will welcome British author and expert on the history of mysticism, Gary Osborne. That should be interesting. We'll leave you this evening with a quote from the great science fiction writer Isaac Asimov. Quote, The saddest aspect of life right now is that science gathers knowledge faster than society gathers wisdom. Unquote. Oh, ho, ho. Thank you, Mr. Asimov, and thanks for sailing with us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.